What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What is up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the first theme that I will be giving you that doesn't have a super impactful rookie to look at, and that is the New England Patriots. So, with that said, let's get started. Offensive line, not too much has changed. Defense, not too much has changed. They lost safety Devin McCourty. That that's a you know pretty big impactful player that they lost. But other than that, not anything too crazy. And Bill O'Brien is taking over as offensive coordinator. That's the coaching change. Finally, finally they have a legitimate offensive coordinator, not a defensive guy who, because of his friendship with the head coach, is taking over the offensive coordinator job. Because that was clearly a disaster last year. So finally. They decided to, you know, hire an offensive mind or somebody that knows what they're doing in Bill O'Brien. That's cool. And then we've got to look at the skill positions because there's a lot of changes there. They lost two wide receivers and one tight end. They lost Jacoby Myers, their number one wide receiver from last year. They lost Nelson Aguilar. They lost Jonu Smith. And then they added wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. And they added tight end Mike Gesicki. So, lost three offensive players, or pass catchers, I should say. Lost three pass catchers, added two, and then they lost Damian Harris and added James Robinson. Damian Harris is definitely better than James Robinson. This is good news for Ramondre, which we'll get into at the very, very end. So, with that said, we can go ahead and look at what we're working with. How do I try to project this team? What you know? What's going to be different this year? What can we look at? So, first off, They had the fifth lowest plays last year for 965, so their offense was bottom five in terms of total plays. They passed the ball 56% of the time, ran the ball 44% of the time, and now they've got Bill O'Brien, and we've got to look into Bill O'Brien's history. We've got to figure out what he likes to do because that's probably how the offense is going to go. It's probably going to start shifting a little bit to what Bill O'Brien likes. And when we look at 2014, to 2020, the last seven years that Bill O'Brien was the head coach for the Texans, with Deshaun Watson, he passed 55% of the time. Also, 2016 through 2020, because he didn't have Watson like the whole time, he also passed 55% of the time. So he's pretty consistent. Bill O'Brien is pretty consistent at having that like 55-45 split. He averaged 970 plays per season. Well, that was with 16 game seasons. So with a 17 game season, that would be 1,030 plays. That's way higher than 965 that the Patriots had last year. That's a huge difference. That's opening up a lot more opportunity for fantasy points to go around to players. From 2017 to 2019... His play counts, remember, 16-game seasons, 973, 978, 968, all within 10. 
He's a very consistent coach. He was always really close to that 55% mark as a passer or as a passing rate and always very close to that like 975-ish range, 970-ish range of total plays. So that's something that I like to see. That's something that makes me confident going into my projection or at least my my basis of my projection, which is very important because it determines how much we're working with. Now, he obviously had Deshaun Watson, right? Because it's not just about what he wants, but also what kind of players he had. He did have Deshaun Watson, who's much better than Mac Jones. However, he never had a running back like Ramondre Stevenson. He never had a running back that was in his prime still that was as good as Ramondre. For the majority of the years that Bill O'Brien was there, he had guys like Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue. Duke Johnson, and I like Lamar Miller, and I liked him a lot uh, when he first went from Miami to Houston. Like, I, I was super excited for it, and he did all right, all that stuff. But Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, and Duke Johnson, none of them are as good of just pure runners as Ramondre Stevenson. And even before Watson, like I said, even before Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien had about a 55% pass rate. So don't overthink the running quarterback aspect. You might be like, oh, well, he you know, only passed the ball 55% of the time because Watson could run. So now that Watson can't run, Mac Mac Jones, or I mean, since Mac Jones can't run, he's probably going to pass more, maybe like 58, 59%. Don't overthink it because even when he didn't have Deshaun Watson, he was still around that 55% pass rate. So I'm kind of just taking Bill O'Brien's average plays with this. Uh, and I think I can do that because this offense is not terrible and this offense is not great. So he's probably going to be around his average that he's used to. So I'm projecting that 1,030 plays. That's his average over 17 game season instead of 16. And I'm still doing that 55% pass rate and 45% run rate because he's just been very, very consistent in doing that. We don't need to try to overthink and almost over project something when it's right there in front of us, nice and simple. I do think that this offense will be better this year since their offensive coordinator is no longer a defensive coach, Matt Patricia. So that aligns with the more plays. So it's not just, hey, we're going to give them more plays than last year because Bill O'Brien usually has more plays, but also because their offense is going to be better, so they should be able to have more plays. And it's because they're going to have a better offensive mind and hopefully schemes that are much better as well. So let's break down Mac Jones. He's obviously not a big runner. I'm projecting 45 carries for 100 yards. Don't really need to get into it. It's basically nothing. His weapons, I would say, are about the same. Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator should help him improve on his efficiency a little bit, especially when you look at this. Mac Jones, in his second season as a quarterback in the NFL, regressed in every single, every single stat category last year. His touchdown rate, down. Completion rate, down. Yards per completion, down. Yards per attempt, obviously, down sacked more it's that's not what usually happens in the second year for a rookie quarter or not a rookie now but for a second year for a quarterback that's not usual you don't see that to that degree that's just that's a red flag right there not on on mac jones but just the whole situation the whole environment especially if the team didn't lose a great pass catcher it's not like as a rookie he had you know, Devontae Adams, and then Devontae Adams left, and that's why all his efficiency went down. It's not something like that. Like, he didn't lose anybody, like, important. 
So And the offensive line didn't just go from like really good to terrible either. So there was no really excuse in terms of player personnel for that to happen. It was the change of losing Josh McDaniels and going to Matt Patricia, who should not ever, ever in his life be choosing plays for an offense, running an offense, anything. And that that to me, that's what I'm pinning that on. And I think that's obviously going to change. All that stuff is going to go up. I think all his stats are going to go up and possibly, possibly eclipse his rookie year because now he has more NFL experience. I'm giving him 7.4 yards per attempt. He had 7.3 yards per attempt his rookie year. I'm giving him 68% completion, 10.9 yards per completion. Neither of those are really that crazy. That's why the yards per attempt is, is pretty on par with what's average for the NFL. The 68% completion is a little bit higher than normal, but the 10.9 yards per completion is lower than normal. So that's why those things work together nicely. I do think his touchdown rate is going to go back up near the league average. So I'm giving him a 4.3% touchdown rate. That brings Mac Jones to 16.2, 16.2 points per game. I don't really have any interest in that. I would rather have a guy like Bryce Young. The actual stats for Mac Jones is just, oh, well, not just over, 200 yards over 4,000, so 4,200 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, and 100 rushing yards, no rushing touchdowns. Like I said, 16.2 points per game. I'll take a guy like a Bryce Young, who I have projected, in terms of fantasy points, almost the exact same, but who has much more upside, in my opinion. Mac Jones for fantasy is not really somebody that I, I want to be putting stock into. Now we're going to get to Juju Smith-Schuster, and let me tell you something. This is the... 2023 projecting the new england patriots podcast but low-key this is the juju smith schuster is a sleeper you need to be drafting podcast because like episode because we're gonna break juju down for you and there is a lot here and juju smith schuster is massively undervalued right now so let's get into it because he is the most important player first off to accurately project due to his relevance for fantasy on this team and because he's new to the team so he's the most important person to be able to project on this team and juju himself took more than an hour for me he took like a sizable portion of this team projection he will be the number one wide receiver he will be the number one wide receiver i I don't have any doubt in my mind i don't think anybody will get more targets than juju there's there's nobody that deserves or will earn targets more than juju on this team jacoby myers is gone And if Myers was there, I think him and Juju would rival each other. And the only reason they would rival each other was because would be because Myers was already there and had a year there with Mac Jones and the familiarity. But in a new situation, if they were together, I think Juju would beat him out. So Juju's the number one for sure. He signed a three-year deal. Finally, a team was willing to give a multi-year contract to Juju. He signed a three-year deal for $25.5 million. That means he is making the most money on the team as a wide receiver. He is making the most money on the team as a wide receiver, and there are not any rookies with high draft capital on the team. He also has the best production. And it might be a little bit of a projection on targets, what I'm going to get into, but I'll explain to you exactly why. He is the number one. And Jacoby Myers, let's look at Myers. Last year, had I think it was 96 targets, and he missed a few games. Okay, I'm projecting for Juju, I'm projecting him to have 125 targets, which is not that much more 
than what Jacoby Myers was on pace for. So pretty much, pretty much what Jacoby Myers was on pace for. And let's remember this. Everyone that drafted Jacoby Myers last year, that was a steal. Like where Jacoby Myers was going last year, I think it was like the 15th round because I was looking into that too. It was like the 14th or 15th round, the very back of drafts. He far surpassed that. When he was healthy, he was producing as a decent flex for you in fantasy football. Why are we not giving Juju the draft capital that would be reflective of him taking the Jacoby Myers role? Jacoby Myers ran 75% of his routes out of the slot last year for the Patriots. That is what Juju does. Juju is a slot wide receiver. And he does it, in my opinion, better than Jacoby Myers. And we're going to break that down too, using some stuff from Player Profiler. But first, Juju Smith-Schuster, I am projecting a 22% target share. He is the number one in the offense. If you go to almost any offense in the league, the number one will have at minimum a 22% target share. The only time you find teams, we've kind of gone over this before, the only time you find teams where there's not somebody that has 22, 23, 24% of the targets is when they have a whole bunch of garbage. When they have a whole bunch of garbage and nobody is better than anybody else and it's just a bunch of like guys that should be the third wide receiver on a team and it's just a bunch of them and there's no one and there's no two. Like nobody deserving to be the one or two. That's when you get guys or teams that won't have somebody in the 20% or more target range. I'm giving Juju 22%. We know he's good. The The whole pendulum on Juju not being good has swung way too far. Way too far. I get it. We see this happen a lot. When somebody has a huge hype train and they massively underperform, they get thrown to the wayside in fantasy. It happens all the time. And it, that it shouldn't be like that. You, you'll, you always see it. You saw it with Saquon. When after people just started getting done with Saquon, Saquon was a huge value last year. Kyle Pitts, it's probably going to happen this year. Kyle Pitts is probably going to get thrown to the wayside because he's disappointed people after all these expectations last year, despite the fact that there wasn't even a good quarterback, not even a quarterback who throws the ball much because he likes to run in Atlanta last year. Well, that's going to swing back for Kyle Pitts after this year, I believe, or maybe maybe it'll take two. We'll see how Desmond Ritter does. But people always overreact, and that's what's happening with Juju. Him being in New England is not the same as him being in Kansas City. New England does not have a Travis Kelsey. And tight ends and slot wide receivers do not mix well. You are very rarely finding teams that have a good slot wide receiver for fantasy, like a really good one, and a really good tight end for fantasy. Actually, funny enough... One of the only offenses to ever do that was the New England Patriots offense with Gronk and Edelman and Gronk and Welker. But that was because they didn't have anybody else. That that was like their go-to wide receiver, their go-to tight end, and then they had some short stuff with the running backs. And because Brady is just a genius, masterful, picks things apart. Outside of that, that outlier... You're usually not finding like a slot wide receiver and a tight end that both flourish for fantasy football. So I knew it wasn't going to happen in Kansas City. I liked the value for him last year in drafts, but I knew it wasn't going to happen in Kansas City because of Kelsey. Well, there's none of that in New England. New England has Hunter Henry, Mike Gesicki. Those are just decent tight ends. It's it's not anybody that's going to be garnering like 80 targets or more in the offense. Hunter Henry last year, because let's, we can all say Gasicki's better than J- Jonu Smith, right? 
tight end position. Those are guys that were there uh, last year and one who just came in for the Patriots. John Smith left. Gasicki is taking his place. We all, at this point, believe Gasicki is better than Janu, right? Well, with Janu there, Hunter Henry last year didn't even have 60 targets. So he's not going to have way more more targets than that when Gasicki's coming in. And Gasicki's not going to come in and have a crazy amount of targets like that either. So Juju is by far going to be the number one. I'm giving him a 22% target share. That is very, very, like realistic not a a high projection at all that is probably on the median to low side I don't think it would be possible for Juju to have worse than a 17% target share I think he could have upwards of a 26% target share I think his median projection is probably 22-23 so I've got him at 22% okay let's keep that in mind now we've talked about a lot here but we're going to start comparing Juju and Jacoby Jacoby Myers, if you look at his stats from last year, just let's just look at last year, make it easy. Jacoby Myers last year versus Juju Smith-Schuster last year. Jacoby beats him out slightly, slightly on a lot of metrics. Metrics like yards per route run, contested catch rate, even separation. However, Juju wins where it matters more to me, especially in the slot. And it's also about consistency. He was... Winning his routes versus corners, there's there's a stat called route win rate. Juju Smith-Schuster was top 10 in the league out of all wide receivers. He was top 10 in the league in this stat category. He was number 9 in route win rate. He won 49.4% of his routes. Jacoby Myers was in the 40s of, like not the 40%, he was in the 40s of NFL wide receivers when we had Juju at 9 Jacoby was at 39.7%. So that's a 10% difference. That's huge. It's a huge gap. And that's partly why I have Juju getting slightly more targets than what Jacoby got last year, because he gets open more often. He might not be when he gets open and when he gets targeted, he might not be as open as Jacoby was at times, but he is open way more often. He's likely to get skipped in the route, you know, when uh, Mac Jones is going through his reads he's way less likely to skip juju because juju is going to be open more often more more of the times that he gets looks he he's open he's open i'm gonna throw it to him he might not be two yards open he might be 1.9 yards open but he's he's open so i'm gonna throw it to him and that's what we're gonna see happen with juju that's why i think he's gonna be very good and where he's going right now is just a travesty he is wide receiver 48 wide receiver 48 48 are you serious Juju Smith-Schuster okay there are still a few teams in the NFL that he would be a number one wide receiver on he would be let's go through let's go through them real quick I wasn't even planning on this but let's just let's just brainstorm together all right he would be the number one wide receiver on the Panthers he would be the number one wide receiver on the Texans he would be the number one wide receiver on the Titans him and Burks would be close uh but Titans is another possibility there um I don't know if there's another one in terms of targets he he might be able to out target a guy like Marquise Brown in 
Arizona, but I wouldn't say he would be the number one, though. I mean, Marquise Brown's definitely better, so let's not even use that one. But there's like three teams just off the top of my head. I'm sure if we went through every single team, we could think of more. But there's three teams right there. Boom, he would be the number one wide receiver on. He's not that bad, okay? And for him to be drafted as wide receiver 48, when there are only 32 teams in the NFL, and he is the wide receiver on one of those 32 teams, is ridiculous. And he's not a wide receiver one on one of the teams that passed the ball 400 times. He's on a team that will pass the ball a decent amount. That will be about league average in terms of how much they pass. And the fact that he is the number one on that offense and getting completely disrespected is a great opportunity for us to get a steal in drafts. He is going in the 10th or 11th round. He's going at the 10-11 turn. I have him projected right now. With what we talked about, so I, I didn't get into the, the numbers. I'll get into the numbers in a second. But right now, I have him projected at 13.5 points per game. Juju Smith-Schuster with 13.5 points per game would land at about wide receiver 24 to 28 in my projections. Like when all my projections are done, he'll probably be about 24 to 28. And may, maybe at like the worst, probably like 30. He's going at 48 right now. That is a massive gap. And there's something very specific that I like about Juju or what I believe will happen this season for him is I think he's going to be consistent. And if he's a consistent, like you can count on 10 to 15 points, that is the perfect wide receiver two for you. If you go the, which I subscribe to this, running back heavy approach early or the elite tight end strategy, or put them both together. If you come out of your first five rounds with two running backs, with, okay, if you come out of your first five rounds with either an elite quarterback and some combination of running backs and tight end, or like three running backs, one wide receiver, one tight end, Whatever, you just you get one of the tight end quarterbacks locked in as an elite player, and then you just stock up on running back. And you can get Juju in the 10th as your wide receiver too. That would be perfect because people overvalue explosiveness and like boom weeks. They overvalue it. And if you've been playing fantasy long enough, you know, like think about actual things that have happened to you. You know that it's overvalued. I'll give you an example. When you have those teams that you have like the first or second most points in the league and you have a losing record, it's because your team's not consistent. And you happen to get unlucky when your team blows up. When your team blows up, you play another team that happened to blow up. But then you play like a team that's not that good and you just have a, a crap week because your team has no consistency. You need consistency, especially you like it when you're going in to the end of the season, you're going into the playoffs and you have to rattle off multiple wins in a row. You want consistency you don't want to just throw up a stinker you like having people that can boom yes and that's what you'd be getting if you're building a team with guys like juju in mind at the end of drafts at the end of your draft to be your wide receiver two or wide receiver three then you, that means you have those ecklers those barclays the Bijan robinson jameer gibbs like you're gonna have these super super good running backs these multiple top 12 running backs, multiple RB1s in your lineup because you went running back, running back. Or you'll have an elite tight end like a Travis Kelsey or a lesser elite tight end like Mark Andrews. And then you'll have a bunch of still good running backs. And then you've got Juju as your number two wide receiver. 
That's beautiful. That is how you win championships, is landing guys like like this. You want some semblance of consistency and reliability in your lineup, especially if it's at a position that you neglect. So if you are like me and you neglect wide receiver, and I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the perfect year to do that. You know why? Because the pendulum has swung and everybody is going to want Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, Every, all of these guys are going to go so high in drafts that the running backs are going to be falling. And people are going to be scared to draft these running backs because the guys that we have relied on for so long are starting to get older. It's redraft. If it's redraft, go and snag those dudes because it's just one year. You Grab Eckler and grab Henry and don't be scared. And then grab another youthful running back if you want as the third or the fourth. And then you come back and get guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. And what, what Tyler Boyd was for me in my team so long ago, not or not so long ago, but for so long, and then comma long ago, because Tyler Boyd isn't that anymore, but there was like a three-year stretch where Tyler Boyd was undervalued every, and we see guys like this all the time. It was Tyler Boyd, it was Robert Woods, now it looks like it's Juju. So if Juju's going to be the next one before them, before Woods and Boyd, it was Jarvis Landry. Like we always have these guys. Juju is that guy this year. And I always put those guys on my rosters. Always. Juju is the guy that you need to be drafting in the 10th round, bar none. Now, what are my actual stats for him? I'm sure at this point you're like, okay, we get it. That's enough. Let's get into it. All right. Jacoby Myers last year, because they're going to be playing the same role. Juju's taking the slot role that Jacoby Myers left when he went to LA, so or Las Vegas, I mean. So Myers last year had a catch rate of 70%. Last year with the Chiefs, Juju had a catch rate, also playing in the slot most of the time, 77%. Well, I'm going to give him a 73% catch rate, because I think he's going to get open more. He's a little bit better, has safe hands for the most part. So I'm giving him a better catch rate than Jacoby Myers. Also, just the offense is going to be better. Yards per reception, last year for Myers, 12. Last year for Juju, 12. So guess what I'm giving Juju this year? 12. Jacoby Myers last year, six touchdowns. He was on pace for seven because he missed a few games like we talked about. So with those six touchdowns, that was out of 19 touchdowns. Now, Juju last year with the Chiefs, not much of a touchdown guy. Three touchdowns out of 41. The Chiefs like to do all this crazy stuff and spread those touchdowns around in incredible ways. That's not normal of an offense. And I don't expect that in the offense that Juju's going to be in this year. I'm giving Juju five touchdowns of 24. So I have Mac Jones throwing for 24, five of them to Juju Smith-Schuster. That's basically on par with his target rate for the most part, because five of 24, that's like 21% or something. He's got a 22% target share for me. So that's perfect. And he's not as tall or as good of a contested guy as Jacoby, but it, if Mac Jones, if the reason that Jacoby had six of the 19 touchdowns or would have been seven of 19 touchdowns from Mac Jones was because he was in the slot and that's like a position that Mac likes to target, Juju could have eight touchdowns because I think Mac Jones is going to be better this year and pass for more touchdowns this year. Juju could have eight touchdowns. If he has eight touchdowns, he's going to be even better than what I haven't projected at. I haven't projected very what I consider to be his like median projection because that's what I always project. I don't project people at their ceiling. I acknowledge the ceiling and I'll tell you guys about them on the podcast. And I have like the potential marker on my draft sheets to explain that as well. If so, if you just want to go look, you can see what I think of that person's potential, but 
Juju Smith-Schuster is not obviously going to be projected at the potential at his ceiling. So for me, it's just a very safe pick with a little bit of potential, depending on where his touchdowns go, and maybe he gets a little bit more targets than I'm projecting. So out of everything we talked about, that's going to bring Juju to 125 targets, 91 receptions. He is highly efficient on the catch rate through his whole career for the most part. 91 receptions off 125 targets for 1,091 yards, almost 1,100, and five touchdowns. Now, think of that number and tell me if you think that sounds ludicrous because that sounds very, very attainable, realistic, and easy to me. Juju Smith-Schuster can't get 90 receptions for 1,100 yards and five touchdowns? I mean, you might saying you might think that 90 receptions is too much. Maybe you're thinking uh, more like 70 but I know that you don't think, because I, I can't imagine how somebody could think 1,100 yards is too ridiculous for Juju in 17 games when he is going to be the, the number one there. Like, that that's completely, completely easy to envision and realistic. So 13.5 points per game, that's what that comes out to. I have him above guys, and this is when we're going to start shifting into like a little dynasty take here. I have him above guys like Drake London, above guys like DJ Moore, Above guys like Tyler Lockett. There is some stigma. I don't know why or how this happened. Maybe it's because Juju just came into the league so early in his in his uh, life. Like, he was really young. But I feel like people think Juju Smith-Schuster is way older than he is. Juju Smith-Schuster is 26 years old. He is 26 years old. He is barely older than DJ Moore. I actually think they might might both be 26. DJ Moore might be 25. He's the same age as Chris Godwin. Like, DJ Moore is, or Juju Smith-Schuster is not old at all. And I think people don't really realize that, and people don't really check all that much if they already are confident or have, like, a misconception about somebody. So I'll give you a perfect trade opportunity, okay? So I have Juju Smith-Schuster ranked above DJ Moore for this year. Well... Juju Smith-Schuster's on a three-year contract now in New England. It's an offense that you know is going to pass the ball a lot, or or at least average, not what the Bears are going to do for DJ Moore. Right now, you could get so much extra for a DJ Moore-Juju Smith-Schuster swap. I would sell DJ Moore, ask for Juju back with a second-round pick. Uh, well, first, I would try it with, like, a fur like a late first and then they're probably going to say no that's too much but if you can get like a second boom easy i'll take that trade because i think juju is going to do better than dj moore this year they're both number ones in offenses dj moore might be a much better receiver but you can only put up fantasy points when you get the ball thrown to you and the ball can only be thrown so much and the bears don't throw it very much the bears throw the ball like the worst actually it was the worst last year we've talked about this that's why we've already projected the bears because this this is something i wanted to be able to tell you guys and reference to you guys and that that's just that's just how it is i mean dj moore is not going to get more than 130 40 targets because they're not going to pass enough for that and juju smith schuster with a way lower target share is going to get just as many targets if not more than dj moore so that's a good trade opportunity for you. Christian Watson, Drake London, guys like that, I think he's going to do better than them this year. I think he's going to do better than Tyler Lockett this year. For me, he's just that perfect wide receiver to be your two or three on a heavy 
running back or elite tight end fantasy build, which is basically what I always do. I actually subscribe more to the elite tight end, but I still go heavy running back with the elite tight end. And then I just stream quarterback or find like hit hit on a sleeper that ends up not being out of my lineup ever. Like, you know, when you hit on Lamar Jackson or hit on Dak Prescott or Josh Allen in the past, all those guys, it has become a little bit harder to hit on the runners and stuff like that because people are more aware of it. But there will always be guys that you could try to hit on. If not, you can still stream. So I, I don't really worry about quarterback much at the top of drafts. I just I want to get the elite tight end and then a bunch of good running backs. If I can't get the elite tight end, then all right, I'm not going to get those like middling tight ends. I'm going to get running backs, wide receivers, but still more focus on running backs and then continue on there from there. So that's kind of how I like to do my my teams. I'm hoping we're going to get to a a uh, mock draft episode here once I'm done with all of my projections because then I'll have like the whole beautiful sheet done that you can pull up and look at. Um, you might you might end up having to if you want to use it pay like a little bit. We'll see. Um, I'm actually working on something which I'm just not going to say anything yet because I don't know and I, I don't want to jinx anything but I am working on something right now um, with somebody that I very much enjoy working with and a couple other guys that I'm excited to get to know so we'll see if that comes to fruition um, but regardless I am going to be here always a- as a hub of info for you guys so message me anytime you want and let's get into the rest of the podcast the rest of the players but Juju Smith-Schuster you got to get him Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne are the two and three here. Maybe Tyquan Thornton beats both of them out. Maybe he's just the number four. But to me, it doesn't really matter because you look at last year and outside of their number one target, because of how much they threw to Ramondre and because of just how median everybody else is, there's not anybody that screams value or even relevancy for fantasy football. Devontae Parker had 50-something targets last year. Kendrick Bourne had like 40 targets last year. Hunter Henry had 50-something targets last year. Like, And these are all the guys right after Jacoby. And Jacoby missed time too. So like that was giving an opportunity for these guys to do better, and they just didn't. So for me, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, you don't really need to waste your time. I have Devontae Parker at 82 targets for 54 receptions, 860 yards, and four touchdowns. It's less than 10 points per game. He also has no floor because he could lose his job to Thornton. So Parker, I'm not interested in. Bourne, kind of same thing. Neither of them are really making much money. Parker, $6 million, and it's his last year. Bourne, last year, $5 million. They have, and I ha, you know, I don't really have any reason to, to get these guys. Then Hunter Henry, he's listed as the number one, but him and Gesicki will hurt one another. They're going to battle out against each other. I doubt either of them get more than 70 to 80 targets. Hunter Henry had an 11% target last last year target share 11% target share last year and he was competing against Jacoby Myers and a bunch of whatever's pretty much like that's that's not impressive so I, I'm not interested in him either so like I said Juju is like the only guy I'm really interested in in terms of pass catchers other than Ramondre Stevenson so Ramondre Stevenson is the other person that this podcast is going to be focused on 55% of the running back carries last year. Now Damian Harris is gone, who had 28% of the running back carries. But the difference is there, there's no legitimate replacements for Harris. So Ramondre Stevenson's probably going to dominate the carries to 65 to 
And we saw certain years like that with Bill O'Brien. There were years where Lamar Miller was at that 65% of the running back carries, 70% of the running back carries. Well, Ramondre Stevenson's not dealing with competition that he has to worry about. So I'm projecting him to have 70% of the carries to the running back position, not of the team, not 70% of the team carries, but 70% of the running back room carries. That is 17 per game. It's not that crazy. He had about 12.5 last year per game. So 17 carries per game for Ramondre, Steven- Ramondre Stevenson. I'm just going to start saying Mondre. That's what I always call him. That's 293 carries. And I'm projecting him to be less efficient because he's going to have a higher volume. He was very efficient last year. Last year, he had five yards per carry. I'm giving him 4.7 right now. That's 1,377 rushing yards, okay? 1,377 rushing yards. Not crazy. It's very good. I'm giving him 10, or not him, 10 rushing touchdowns, but I'm giving him nine rushing touchdowns of 14. Last year, they had 10 as a running back group. So last year, 10 touchdowns total to the running backs. This year, 14 total in my projection to the running backs. The offense is going to be better, have more opportunities to score. And nine of those 14 in my projection are going to Ramondre. Now, he was the second most targeted player on the team last year. He had 88 targets just south, JSO, just south of Jacoby Myers. And that's a 16% target share. He doesn't really have much more to deal with Juju's gonna hurt him a little bit maybe but Juju's mainly taking over the Jacoby rule for the most part so because like I said I don't have Juju projected for much more targets it's like 10 target difference from what Jacoby was on pace for last year so if he didn't get hurt therefore I don't really see his 16% target share going down too much I do see them decreasing, but only by 3%. I'm projecting a 13% target share to Mondre. Maybe somebody comes in and takes some off of this plate. Pierre Strong is a better receiver than a rusher, so maybe Pierre Strong would come in. He's a running back on the team and take a little bit off of Ramondre's plate. We'll see. But for the most part, Mondre is this backfield. And I'm projecting 74 targets for him. That's what the 13% bears out to. Similar efficiency, 78% catch rate, 7 yards per reception, 1 receiving touchdown. So total, that's about 1,700, almost 1,800 actually, almost 1,800 total yards. So just above 100 yards per game for Ramondre Stevenson. 10 touchdowns, 17.3 points per game. He is above Miles Sanders for me, 17.3 points per game. In my projections... In my projections, that's usually about running back like 14 or 15. However, that number at the end of the year, because a lot of people get knocked out with injury or miss some games at least, stuff like that. At the end of the year, 17.3 points per game would probably be about RB7, RB8. So that's that's a really good number for Ramondre, and he's definitely worth where he's getting drafted. That's your perfect RB2. Ramondre is a perfect RB2. Like if you can go into a draft, we'll just do like a quick little mental mock draft. If you go into a draft, let's say you're in the middle of the first round, you draft Austin Eckler. Okay. You get Eckler because you, you have, you know, Jefferson goes, Kelsey goes, Chase goes, CMC goes, Taylor goes, and then you get Eckler. Okay. You get Eckler in the first and the second comes back around and you get, you know, you, let's say you get Mark Andrews. 
Then the third comes around, and you can get a guy like Ramondre Stevenson as your RB2. Beautiful. Fourth round comes around, and I don't know where this guy's ADP is going to settle, but let's say you can get a Jameer Gibbs. Then you've got Gibbs, Stevenson, and Eckler. That is going to dominate your league as a running back group. You've got Andrews, who's going to dominate every team except for Kelsey, except for the person who has Kelsey. Andrews is pretty much going to be winning you every week at the tight end position. You're going to be winning every week at the running back position. And then later in your draft, go get Juju. And you can focus on, you know, getting some higher upside, maybe some swings. Maybe you want to get, you know, obviously you can still take an elite receiver. Like let's say that fifth round or, you know, one of those middle rounds that we were talking about, like the middle of that one through four. So let's say second round, third round, you wanted to grab a receiver, you know, that's fine. But Ramondre Stevenson, Juice Smith-Schuster, great values on the Patriots. People are overreacting to how bad their offense was last year. It's not going to be that bad this year. I do think we're going to have some very, very, very... um, uh, Dang, I don't even know how to structure what I was trying to say. But basically, sorry, I'm a little bit scatterbrained right now because literally I have the amount of stuff that I've been looking at to try to get all of my points out on Ramondre and Juju, mainly Juju, is a little bit overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. But it's going to be very common at the end of the season when you see championship teams to see a guy like Ramondre or Juju on it. Those are the type of dudes that you will see consistently because they're guys that are great values and will probably be very consistent, both of them. So running backs, all running backs are usually consistent. Like the guys at the top, the running backs at the top that don't get hurt or something crazy doesn't happen, that causes them to be a bust. They're usually very consistent. That's why another reason why I love going running back early. Like when I was telling you guys, I very much value consistency in fantasy football because of how inconsistent and unpredictable it is. Having those guys that you know you can count on are so, so like just irreplaceable that that's I'm always going running back early because they're getting so many touches that they're going to be consistent wide receivers could have a bad game you know the the other thing is wide receivers could get shut down by a corner a running back's not getting shut down by a linebacker or shut down by a defensive line he's still getting so many touches he's going to have those opportunities to break one carry for like 30 yards that saves his his average or 40 yards or go in you know get to the goal line and you know he's getting touches so that's why I love running backs early because you're getting consistency as well as just a great player it's a good combo so with that said appreciate you guys tuning in Um, I was very excited to record this basically to just talk about Juju the whole time but yeah he's a great sleeper and thank you guys for listening drop a rating drop a review Peace.